Welcome to the NCMR Article to Audio podcast brought to you by the NAC team. NAC is an acronym for Negotiation and Conflict. NAC is made up of a team of scholars who are passionate about the teaching, research, and practice of negotiation and conflict management. The Article to Audio podcast interviews authors who have published in the journal Negotiation and Conflict Management Research, NCMR for short. NCMR is the official journal of the International Association for Conflict Management. It serves as an outlet for scholars and practitioners who conduct research in negotiation and conflict management that advances theory and informs practice in the field. I'm Jennifer Parlamas. I teach at the University of San Francisco and I research emotions and technology in negotiation and conflict. I'm Min Hong Tsai. I teach in the School of Social Sciences at Singapore Management University. I currently study conflict and collaboration, judgment and decision-making, and emotions. We will be your hosts. Today we have with us Innocentina Marie Obi, Kathleen Bolin, and Hilly Aldering. Innocentina Marie Obi is a PhD candidate at Leuven, Belgium. Dr. Kathleen Bolin obtained her PhD at Leuven in Belgium. Kathleen is a fellow of the Leuven Center for Collaborative Management. Hilly Aldering works as an assistant professor at the Department of Work and Organizational Psychology at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. We will be discussing their article, Servant Leadership, Third-Party Behavior, and Emotional Exhaustion of Followers. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, your research has explored leadership, emotional exhaustion, and conflict um, within a very unique environment. The Sisters in Convents in Catholic Women Religious Institute, mostly based in Nigeria. So can you talk a little bit about how and why you chose this environment for your research? Um, this environment is, um, is very important for our research, given that, first of all, I am a member of um, this Catholic Women Religious Institute, and um, we have uh, leaders. And leadership is very important concept in that context as well. So leadership at the local level that I studied and in different levels also, but in the local level, you see that leaders live directly with their followers. And um, from time to time or once in a while or at intervals, conflicts do occur, disagreements and so forth in relation to work and the life itself in general. So I, from my personal experience, my, from my lived experience in that organization, like I am 24 years old now in that organization. So within this period of 24 years, I myself has, have uh, experienced leadership um, function. I have been uh, uh, in a function as a leader, a local community leader. So, and, and I have been this leader and for so, several years within these 24 years and a follower also, and also a formator. So I realized from my personal experience that the relationship between individuals, sometimes conflicts occur, sometimes disagreement and these need to be settled and we do it also in our own way. And um, well-being of the sisters is also important for us in that organization. Yeah. So maybe I ask a follow-up question. You use a very unique sample. So we expect that your findings were generalized into Western countries? Of course. I, I will expect that the findings were generalized to Western countries. 
first of all, I will say that human beings are essentially the same. So since we also studied human being, I feel the, the study will generalize to the Western world. And secondly, the constructs we used, the constructs we investigated, for instance, servant leadership construct is a valuable construct for human beings. Maybe also important to mention, I think, Innocentina, is the fact that you uh, went yourself to Nigeria to collect all the data, to uh, also to introduce all your sisters um, to what it is what you were going to do. As also the facilities are not that easy, I would say. I mean, you cannot in implement an online survey just as we more do in Europe, for instance. That was totally not the case here. So it took also quite some effort from Innocentina. To, uh, to go there, to speak to the people, with paper and pen to fill everything out. And indeed, um, well, she used the validated uh, scales that are... Well, it's great to know this. Do you also face any other challenges while doing this research? We know that based on what you just say, it's, it's kind of difficult to collect the data, but do you have any other challenges you have while doing this research? Okay, yes, um, from the perspective of the participants, you know, some participants who are not really disposed to join the research based on some personal reasons. And um, some of the reasons being that um, some complain about the length of the, of the survey, you know, seven leadership scale, uh, team conflict, uh, where we also see relationship task process and status conflict, which we merge together as one team conflict. And the three leaders thought party behavior of avoiding forcing and problem solving and the emotional exhaustion scale. So some see it also as something that is lengthy, but there I try to explain, you know, the reasons why they need to participate and they did. And also some, said something about, mm, we are not sure whether our data is safe or, you know, in terms of anonymity of the, of the data. We also convinced them on that, uh, that it is uh, worthwhile to, to join the research because they, it will be very, very anonymous. Uh, we make it as anonymous as we can. And uh, another challenge is uh, financial constraint. You will see from the, like the, the previous question you asked about whether the, the research would generalize to the Western world. Initially, we thought that uh, our research would have been enriched, you know, when we had collected also data from different other organizations like uh, male religious institutes or other religious institutes also from the global south and also from, uh, from the Western world and even from the business organizations so that at least we could, you know, integrate this survey and enrich our data. But we are not able to do that due to financial constraint because it took me a lot of time and, and finance to you know, run around our various communities. And, uh, and I need also uh, to be at the research site. So because of this constraint, I wasn't able to you know, get as much data as we expected to enrich our study. So this is a challenge as well. Mm -hmm. that, that does sound challenging. And I did notice one of the things that I was struck when uh, struck by when I was reading was that you had almost 400 uh, paper and pencil questionnaires, which sure. is 
quite a lot. So I'm curious, um, how long did this did this take you to collect all this data? In 2000 and uh, like in early 2017, like three months or more, because I I stayed as much as I could at the research sites. Then I also gave them time to to do and and uh, submit. So. I think also the good thing what helped collecting the data was that there was a big two big seminars where a lot of uh, sisters were joining and then we used that opportunity to implement well to actually to introduce the survey the research and then uh, Innocentina could collect uh, quite a bunch of data I would say uh, at the spot um, so that of course helped a lot in, in collecting the data um, and making the time frame not super long. It would have been really difficult for Catalina or me to uh, collect all this data in three months' time. The fact that you uh, that you are yeah that you know the people that you are part of the community has helped you enormously into uh, still convincing so many to to participate. So uh, maybe we should dive in a little bit into the findings. So according to your research, um, what my understanding is that leaders who avoid conflicts. Um, potentially fuel the conflict, whereas leaders who employ a problem-solving style or problem-solving behaviors um, actually reduce conflict. Um, so this seems to be an important finding for leaders to hear. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on any other findings that you think are particularly relevant for leaders. Of course, this integrating this servant leadership and problem-solving would be uh, in, in very important even for conflict researchers. And as, as much as possible, reducing or dissuading leaders from using forcing behavior. I find in sure that a forcing leader really escalates conflict and, and, uh, and forcing behavior is a threat to well-being. That is also a key finding. It's, it's, it's really not, not uh, okay that, that leaders force their uh, intention. Our research shows that servant leadership uses relational power, you know, uses power and uh, not coercively. So uh, uh, forcing behavior poses a threat to, to, to well-being. As you can see that our, the, the, a forcing leader really increases or, or increases uh, emotional exhaustion. So that is also one of the key findings. In handling conflicts, leaders need to focus on what are problem-solving behaviors. What are these skills? Mm -hmm. Then reducing uh, forcing behavior. And do not avoid conflict as well, because our research shows that avoiding conflict frustrates followers in conflict, and the conflict is not yet resolved even. Thank, thank you for sharing your finding with us. I just want to ask a follow-up question. Did you have any unexpected findings in the study and could you interpret those findings for us? We can see from, the, from our paper that team conflict did not really uh, emerge as um, the reason why leaders promote uh, uh, mitigate emotional exhaustion. That's the, the, the interpretation we'll give there is um, it may be as a result of the presence of third party behavior already, you know, so that conflict is better managed 
it is not the conflict itself that uh, really triggers uh, emotional exhaustion as such, but the way it is handled. So keeping third party behavior and keeping team conflict, we see that third party behavior uh, projects itself as a, uh, as a variable that, as a way that shows how leaders mitigate uh, emotional exhaustion more than conflict itself. I also think um, mostly in previous research has been looking at third, well, as um, the conflict styles as done by the people themselves or uh, that they were engaging in themselves. And here we're looking at, at third party leadership interventions. And um, well, the research shows that this is really important to look at it and that, that, that how they deal with it and how they deal with conflict really affects well-being um, or exhaustion, no matter what angle you take. Um, so, uh, and, and that's new in the sense that um, showing it with data, uh, we can hypothesize about or theorize about, but that's not a lot of research has been showing that already. Were all of the superiors women or were there some men as part of the leadership? Wow, <laughs> it is totally a female organization okay. and the leaders are female as well. Hilly, were you trying to also mention something there as well? Well, I wanted to um, take a little bit of a, a different angle, but to, to mention the, uh, the relevance and the, the interesting part of the construct of servant leadership, particularly um, in these religious uh, institutes and particularly in Nigeria. Uh, I think what's really interesting in terms of history is that on the one hand, these servant values are really important. They're Christian values as well. Um, they relate to the historical uh, Ubuntu concept. Um, but on the other hand, there is also sort of a, a strong force or movement in terms of authoritarian leadership in more um, yeah, post-colonial Africa, where um, people are also really used to and familiar with the concept of authoritarian leadership. So what happens is sort of an interesting paradox that you see also in these religious uh, institutes, where leaders espouse the servant values potentially in an authoritarian manner. And that, I think, is also something that our future research also focuses on, on looking at differential effects or um, relationships with authoritarian and servant leadership. Um, and that could, I, I don't think that necessarily would differ between male and female organizations. Um, but it is really interesting to, to investigate that further, how servant values um, are so, so universal and so, so logical, but also so difficult to show and how that the, there, is, there is a risk in a way that you think you are serving, but you do it in an authoritarian manner. And that obviously has more, or obviously that's what our uh, current research shows, has more negative relationships than uh, servant leadership does. You mentioned that this was kind of the first time a study like this had been done in, in this, um, this group. And so I'm wondering, are you planning on somehow feeding back the data to the population? And if, if you have already, I'm curious what um, responses you've gotten from the work, from your work. Of course, I'm planning to uh, feed back and I also let them know, and they are also waiting for the feedback because everybody beginning from the general leader and the other regional and provincial and the local leaders and the sisters themselves are curious to know what comes out of this. And uh, like one of my sisters said to me when I was, when I sent her the questionnaire, she said, hmm, Innocentina, it is important also that we have a scientific knowledge of our congregation, you know? Sometimes 
we do things, as Haley said, sometimes leaders will be, you know, putting their effort, you know, to serve the sisters. And they also say it, you know, for so, so, so years I have served the sisters and this and that. So, but sometimes they do it in a way that they may not even know what the followers we are thinking about that. So this research really for me is an eye opener. And from my personal experience that I narrated earlier, I really see that it is very important for research and practice to merge. You know, it is not only theory or writing stuff, but also how does it come out out there? You know, so one of the things I will give them as feedback is the need to reinvigorate servant leadership behavior in our organization. It is there, it is clearly boldly written in our constitution that if you want to lead the sisters, you need to serve them, you know? So, but sometimes we don't even know what are these behaviors like? What is, if I say I'm a servant leader, what do I mean? So I need, I have now every power to say to them, this is what servant leadership is all about. You know, it is all about empowering ourselves. It is all about including sisters in decision-making. It is all about developing followers first, helping us to maximize our potential. We have a lot of latent competencies which we have not developed. And it is because leaders make things happen. It is these leaders that need to help us to put this in motion and not really doing it alone, taking decisions alone, giving information, you know. So I will really need to highlight the essence, the beneficial, if, uh, the, the benefits of servant leadership and the need also for problem solving in conflict behaviors and not necessarily to be avoiding it or let's not talk about it or a leader comes and take decision. Okay, you will do it this way. But having, exercising some patience for for ourselves now and leaders to know that they have critical responsibilities to handle followers completely, you know, and that leaders also have responsibilities to promote our well-being, you know. So like this issue of stress, exhaustion, and so forth, how does it come about? What brings it up? How does a leader come into this? So these are important and you know enthusiastic feedback I, I i wish to give to to them uh to to wrap up uh anything from cataline or hilly um that you'd like to add from working i know that there were five authors on co-authors on this project so i'm curious about how it was to work with each other what kind of process you used in terms of working with five co-authors well, I think it, as we also geographically uh, dispersed, I would say, um, we needed to make sure that we indeed were aligned, I would say. Um, so we had really regular meetings and sometimes not all of us were, or not all five of us were involved, but I, I, we were really make sure that uh, everything, was, everything, everybody was informed, I would say. And I think we really, actually, Nisantina took really the lead performing the research, going there, making sure the surveys, taking the responsibility there. And we were there to back up, of course, and to follow up and to uh, to give uh, our feedback. In that way, um, it was Antina taking the lead and we being there as a, as a sounding board um, and to give some input uh, up from our side. Um, and actually, as we all know each other, 
I would say it went quite well to align with each other and, and to make sure that uh, the tasks and responsibilities were divided in a, in, a, in a clear way, I would say. But I also invite Heli to, in to add to that. Uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question for Innocentina. How is it to have three supervisors? But I think generally we, we complement each other nicely. Um, mm. So the two other people, people on the paper, they're, they're men. So we decided to exclude them from this uh, podcast, <laughs> which focuses on female leadership. Um, but one of them is uh, uh, Martin Oema. He is the uh, promoter as well of Innocentina. And the other one is Wouter Robijn. And he has mainly helped with uh, the statistical part, right? Uh, I personally dropped uh, in the process a little bit later, so the data was already collected, and then uh, so I was not as much involved in setting up the uh, the studies. That is something that Innocentina, Catalina, and Martin did, and I then joined in the writing process. And there, I th I think the benefit of having the three supervisors is that you know you get a lot of feedback, and sometimes the feedback is a little bit contradictory, but we do complement each other also in in the type of feedback we provide, and. Uh, we all try to encourage Innocentina in uh, in our own ways and try to uh, yeah help her fulfill that potential, try to practice our servant leadership ourselves. And I think in this case, it has become a really nice uh, publication, but maybe you disagree. Uh, I agree. I totally agree with you. It's, it was, uh, I would say that it's a dynamic team and I'm really happy. I'm still happy about my research team. Well, this is wonderful. Ming, anything to add before we start to, to wrap up? I think it's good. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you work together and to accomplish this, this project. This, this is a great achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. That's what I would like to add is to encourage conflict, um, conflict researchers, conflict management researchers to see if they, how to integrate servant leadership behaviors and you know in conflict management research you know there are a lot of servant leadership behaviors that will really be beneficial to conflict managers so um, both in theory and in practice so since you are all i presume are conflict researchers we also begin to reflect on that line and to what you said about um, well-being yes for Greenleaf, uh, followers' well-being is very important. And I would like to also add that Greenleaf asks a very important question to servant leaders. Are those served grow more as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier? You know, that is where that issue of well-being come up. Do they become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and more capable themselves of becoming servants. So we can, as conflict management researchers, we can always see how to integrate uh, servant leadership and uh, conflict management as uh, two inseparable things, you know, this drawing from the other. So that's why I wanted to add. Thank you to our guests today for an engaging conversation. For more information about this episode. We hope you will check out the podcast notes on the NEC website. There you can find additional sources and links to the material cited in this episode. Special thanks goes out to Dr. Chi Wen 
Editor-in-Chief of NCMR for his support and assistance with this initiative. On behalf of our podcast team, Deborah Tsai, Michael Gross, Jennifer Palmas, Laura Rees, and Min Hong Tsai, thank you for listening. Please tell a friend about our podcast, and we hope you will join us next time for another fascinating discussion that brings NCMR from article to audio.